The technology likely to have the greatest impact on the next few decades has arrived. You can start building completely new concepts for payments that we've never thought of. Move the need for a financial intermediary to transact value. Bitcoin and the blockchain have an amazing future. This is going to transform society. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Crypto Authority podcast. Today, we will be discussing token card. Just another software wallet. But wait, what's special about it? Why are we even discussing it? With us today, we have Mel, their CEO. Welcome to the show, Mel. Hello, Thomas, and everyone listening to Crypto Authority. Thank you for, uh, for having me on today. We're glad to have you. So tell us about Token Card. What is it? What, so what's different between Token Card and all other software wallets out there? So Token Card is... Um, is it really consists of two parts it's um we have this this fourth gen generation wallet experience and this um this visa debit card that allows you together to um actually live a life on the ethereum blockchain right so like basically enable you to cancel your bank accounts and truly switch to you know this industry that we've all been like raving about for the last you know decade now but you know, up to now, it's all been about speculation. Now you can actually make a lifestyle change. So you're really promising people the crypto dream, moving completely away from the fiat currency system and into crypto full time. Yeah, that's right. And, and we're doing it without compromise, right? So we're not, we're not taking deposits of your, of your money, right, of your tokens. You're actually remaining in control of it yourself. So our wallets, the token card wallet, is a is a decentralized non-custodial wallet. So it's a, it's a fourth generation, in fact, which I'll I'll articulate in a second what that means. But basically, just like your status wallet or your cipher browser wallet um, or the other best Ethereum wallets, you generate a key, and then um, in our case, you actually even then proceed to deploy your own smart contract onto the Ethereum network and your own smart contract really acts as if it was your own like digital bank inside of which you store and control and safeguard your money. And then whenever you want to like spend any of any of your tokens that you hold in there in the real world, you can you can like send an Ethereum transaction from that wallet to our like system to our back end. And that will immediately top up your your uh, your token card that you can you know use let's say your 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 maker die or your digix gold or or any token you have on ethereum you can actually use it in the real world almost immediately it is there's three <laughs> the system waits for three blocks to confirm um, when you're topping up but yeah you can literally go from having your own funds and your own control uh, to having them usable in the real world within like 30 seconds and that's amazing that is amazing and it's not offered by most software wallets what's different between your software wallet and let's say 10x or wirex they, they allow bitcoin and all different sorts of currencies what about you guys what coins do you support so our system runs on the ethereum network so it's actually it's it's kind of unfair to call both a wallet I think within the industry, we have to try and like differentiate between the difference of uh, a custodial wallets where you're giving your funds to an entity and between uh, a wallet where you control it yourself, right? 
And so our wallet is, is the only wallet in the entire industry where you control your own funds. This is all on the Ethereum network. So ETH and ERC20 tokens and NFTs are the only thing we support right now. But you remain in full control. You're not giving it to us. So it's basically a hardware wallet, but it's online. It's a software. It's on your phone and only you have access to it. There's no custodial elements to it. Yeah, so, so, so hardware wallets are what we describe as second generation wallets. So if you look at the wallet space ever since Bitcoin came out, first generation wallets were like wallets where you just have the key itself, where you're storing your Bitcoin or, or whatever you have on the key. And these are okay, but they're vulnerable, right? Because the moment your key is compromised, either you've lost the seed or someone has like, you know, found your seed, all your money is gone, right? And so, yeah, and so we like made like hardware wallets, which are like second generation. They're, they're basically air-gapped versions of a key. And these are okay, but they still, you know, they kind of like take a step back in terms of how accessible your money is, right? Like, it's definitely not the future of money if, you're, if you have to walk around with this thing dangling around your neck, right? Absolutely. And then you have to have a laptop to connect. Yeah, to. yeah. It's, it reduces usability. And it's, uh, you know, if this is how we try to convince the world of, of using crypto, it's definitely not happening. This is like for the super nerds not for normal people. <laughs> Absolutely. And so then like we, you know, we saw in the industry a multi-sig wallet come out where like um, now you can actually have um, a smart contract that regulates how your funds are used. So you have a key, you still have a key on your wallet um, that you control, but now the key doesn't store the funds. Instead, the key is the owner of a contract uh, inside of which you store the funds. And the contract's you'll be able to define certain rules, right? And so um, a third generation wallet is a multi-sig where multiple keys will have to sign a transaction before it, it like, you know, it like actually sends. This is great. This works for like organizations where, you know, like a, a team has raised money and is like trying to control this together um, and you have multiple keys to sign a transaction. This doesn't work for an individual though. You don't want to have to ask, you know, your mother every time you want to like send a transaction and so absolutely and so, especially not your grandparents or one grandparent trying to talk to another grandparent hey honey i'm trying to get access to our uh, funds yeah it just doesn't, it doesn't work. work and so if you take the concept of a multi-sig wallet and engineer it for a consumer for a single owner you can add into the contracts these functions like a daily limit or like a um uh, like a whitelisted address function where you can now make sure that the user can set up their contracts in a way that um, is optimal for them, that they know that even if they lose their key, right, that an attacker gains access to their key, the attacker is only able to, let's say, access the daily limits, which ideally is just 1% of the funds you have in there. And then everything else you can save by withdrawing it to one of your whitelisted addresses. And so we, we've literally engineered uh, essentially this smart contract bank that the user deploys. They deploy it themselves, which makes it a fourth generation wallet where they send, they literally put their own code on the Ethereum network and they can then uh, set this wallet up in a way that works best for them and know that even if they lose their key, even if they get hacked, they've mitigated you know, the contract itself is what defines how the funds are handled. And you can make sure that it's, you know, it's resistant to 
um, you know, scenarios that are likely to happen to you. And that's amazing. It really is. And you guys have done an awesome job. We can't wait to review it. You guys are at the alpha stage. What problems have you encountered up to now? And how have you resolved them going forward? I mean, I think, yeah, we've, because we're literally, we're like the first company to do anything like this. So we're like encountering all kinds of new interesting problems where that's the fun about it though, isn't it? You're, you're going and exploring the Definitely. unknown. All of our engineers, they're like, they love all the challenges they're facing here because it's the first time in their career um, that you know that they've been doing stuff that's like this out there and pioneering. So, yeah, I, I think some of the challenges we faced. One of them is uh, like address um, checks within Europe. So, um, when when a user signs up for the card, um, they have to do KYC, know your customer, and it's it's very simple. Only takes like three minutes, but we our, our system will then check does this person actually live there and as it stands within europe only like 30 percent of addresses are being found and that's because like europe has such a different array of address formats and we need to sort that out so at some point when we've sorted out like the basic alpha problems we'll be able to put the app on the app store because right now if we put it on the app store and like a thousand people sign up overnight and we'll, you know, we'll be spending like two weeks manually checking and like doing, we want to get it to a, like to a place where 80% of people signing up automatically pass all the way through the system. Yeah. Have that efficiency. Yeah. There otherwise it's not yeah. scalable. We just build up this massive backlog and people aren't happy. So yeah, slow and steady. Yeah, Fair. you're going to get there. I'm sure uh, I remember going to the keynote. You're one of the most passionate people I've met in the crypto space when it comes to having their own company and actually trying to produce something and delivering on that promise. Let's talk a bit more about the vision. How did you envision? Where, where did we? How did you start? Where did you say, oh, we need to create yeah. this? So. <laughs> So I guess it all started when I was um, in my first year in university. I'm, I'm from the Netherlands myself, and I was studying aerospace engineering. And I, uh, at my university, over the course of like 2012, I kind of became like known as like Bitcoin kid. <laughs> and I would have like people around my laptop during lectures, right? We'd be in lectures with 400 people. There'd be like 20 of them around my laptop. And I'd be explaining to them, this is mining and this is how a transaction hash works and all this stuff. And at some point, I just realized that I spent almost no time on my study. Instead, I'd spent it all like thinking and dreaming about Bitcoin. <laughs> and and I, was, I was so passionate that I just decided I'm going to quit university. I'm going to cancel my bank accounts and I'm going to travel the world with Bitcoin because I actually believed at the time that Bitcoin really was going to be like the currency we'd all be using a few years from now. And so like, I actually tried to live like the most pure Bitcoin life. And I think, uh, well, I mean, like within a week, you kind of realize it's not going to work, right? <laughs> but, yeah, at least not with the foundation. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, I mean, yeah, I met like the people who were creating like the first Bitcoin ATMs and like, using local Bitcoins and stuff to like get around. And that's how I got started in the industry because that back then it really only was people who were super passionate about this fringe technology who were like leading it. 
right? It wasn't, there was, there's no university you go to. There's no established, um, you know, formal way of, of becoming part of this. It was just people who cared. It's like Andreas Antonopoulos back in 2013, he was teaching uh, about cryptocurrencies and he had like five people in his lectures. And now he, you can't even get to his lectures at this point. He's getting paid thousands. Yeah, ex exactly. Appear. And so um, I think it was from my experiences, like actually trying to live a life in this new economic paradigm that later the idea for token card would emerge where and we, I, we, you know, I've literally built the products for myself, right? <laughs> where, where if I had had this product, this would have solved all my problems, right? Like I want to, I want to be able to, to hold my own money. I don't want to give it to Zappo. I don't want to give it to Coinbase. I don't want to give it to anyone. I want to own it myself. So our wallet does exactly that. I want to be able to spend it anywhere in the world. I don't want to have to wait until people start accepting Bitcoin because guess what? Five years ago. Um, you know, there had, there's been like no progression in the last five years towards actually accepting Bitcoin or anything, right? It's like barely happened. So we have to find other ways. And so that's why we built the token card to allow you to spend it anywhere Visa's accepted. Um, and now, right, which wasn't a thing back when, you know, originally Bitcoin was the cool thing. Now we're actually witnessing the birth of this decentralized Ethereum economy, right? This, you know, Bitcoin was a product, was its own products. Ethereum isn't the product, it's a platform. And on top of this platform, we're witnessing people build like projects that will literally replace like old world counterparts, right? And so we're building an experience where two years from today, you'll be able to get the best insurances, the best loans, the best subscriptions for your Netflix. You'll be able to get your identity tokens. You'll be able to get almost anything, you know, that you can conceive of. Uh, through through our experience and own it yourself, right? Um, you'll be able to hold gold. You'll be able to hold, you know, snippets of the Mona Lisa, perhaps, uh, and and use it as if that was your bank account. Um, and that's pretty cool. It's it is really cool. It is really exciting. And I think that's one of the things about the Ethereum platform that people misconceive. Um, they. Uh, especially people that are just joining the space, they really confuse cryptocurrencies. They all think, oh, Bitcoin does this. It's a peer-to-peer -peer payment system. Let's not get into how it might be a store of value at this point. But if we accept it as a peer-to-peer -peer payment system, everyone all says, oh, Ethereum is the same, or XRP is the same, Litecoin is the same, Monero is the same, Token Card is the same. And then everyone just classes them all in the same category when they're really different. Ethereum provides something really valuable that others don't xrp for example as many haters as there are out there and as many lovers as there are doesn't do any of these two it's for financial institutions so we are seeing at this point that we weren't seeing five years ago as you just said this progression into each cryptocurrency or token or blockchain do its own little thing and you have used ethereum for this purpose my question is, and I want to backtrack a little, you had mentioned that you believed in Bitcoin. You saw Bitcoin as the way forward. When you saw it back then, what made you change your mind and say, I'm going to create a hard, a software wallet, sorry, or a platform, essentially, because you're not non-custodial, that will not allow users to use Bitcoin and they have to be using Ethereum or other Ethereum? That's a great question. So I think... 
so Bitcoin as a technology has kind of matured, right? Where it's, it doesn't have, there's nowhere else really it's, it's going. It's reached a certain ceiling, which is amazing because now it's a product that's understood. People are buying it as essentially digital gold. And it's definitely going to have a massive life and keep on existing. But uh, the products we've built, even the most basic parts of our experience, which is this contract, smart contract bank, right? The, the user owns themselves. Um, isn't possible on Bitcoin. And we think that that's, that, that contract bank is so incredibly um, critical to the to a user's security that, you know, it's kind of sad, right? So, um, you know, imagine that if you were to have all your, everything you own in the digital realm in this contract bank, you know, like your identity, like your subscriptions, like your insurances, imagine if it's just stored on a key instead and you get hacked, you lose everything, right? So and so and so we like fundamental to what we believe in in trying to make this industry real for people. We have to build an experience where the chance of you getting hacked and losing everything is close to zero, and this is only possible on Ethereum, only possible with smart contract wallets. You know, no ledger. You know, even a hardware wallet. You're worried that someone finds the seed and it's all gone, right? Um, and and this is fundamentally only solvable on chain with using smart contracts. And so, you know, if, if, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we know that like Ethereum's just getting started compared to Bitcoin. Bitcoin has matured. It hasn't changed almost at all in the last 10 years. And it's established itself as digital gold. That's great. Whereas Ethereum has only just started five years from today, 10 years from today, it is going, it's going to be this network with thousands of decentralized applications that directly outcompetes the biggest companies in the world today at more favorable rates with much more functionality with with completely democratized global access right and and everyone in the world can be a part of these platforms their profit models and all this stuff and that and that's going to be amazing but it hasn't been built yet right this is going to take years to build ethereum's just getting started it's a seed a lot of these projects have been funded but it's going to take a year or two or three for them to like launch. And even then it's going to take another year or two for them to find proper like product market fits to really get it right. And, and we're building a platform for that future. You know, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about the price of Bitcoin going up and all this stuff, but it really is all a distraction in the context of what really is happening in this industry. And that is that we're, prog that we're progressing towards the psychedelic economy that is of a completely different paradigm than anything that exists today. And that's what we're building our products for. Amazing. So essentially what you're saying though, to those Bitcoin extremists, Bitcoin lovers is in the future, as the technology and the Ethereum platform develops and it becomes more mainstream, you guys are going to have to leave Bitcoin behind and move on to Ethereum for your everyday transactions and your storing of information. I, yeah, I, th I think, I don't, I can't, I don't know what's going to happen to Bitcoin. I definitely think it's got such a big brand at this point that you just want to own one anyway. <laughs> exactly. Just if like, only I could afford one, but yeah. Yeah, just like how like antique cars are like, you know, incredibly valuable. I'm sure like a Bitcoin in the future will still be very, very valuable. But I think fundamentally um, the Ethereum space is just going to be so incredibly interesting and compelling a few years from today that it's, you know, that's where it's at, right?
Um, it's it's achieving network effects, and yeah, that's it's hard to replicate that network effects. And as, uh, you know, this is all assuming that Ethereum scales, right? I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to be Ethereum that creates this moment, the, like this this network, this new economy. It could be its successor, right? But just whatever Ethereum is doing, that's that's the thing we should be doing. And at some point, it's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We're just going to have to stick around for the ride. In terms of the, you're now at the alpha stage of Token Card. Which countries is it available in? When is it going to become available to other countries? How long are people going to have to wait? Because the excitement's there. We all want one. Yeah. So as it stands, we've just, uh, we've opened our access to people in uh, in the EEA, in the European Economic Area. So this is basically everywhere in Europe, including the UK, except for Switzerland, which is not in the European Economic Area. And um, and nobody likes them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame that like half of like Crypto Valley lives there and like Vitalik yeah. and all this stuff. But we're working on getting to Switzerland as well. But yeah, right now, if people sign up, they're getting like our alpha card, which is an unbranded card. So like a very limited series. It's not, it's not necessarily like special in that sense, in the branded sense. But it's, yeah, you're getting access to this super exclusive you know, behind the scenes products that, you know, literally almost no one in the world has access to. And it's world's first decentralized banking experience. And so if people want to sign up, they can go to tokencard.io slash alpha. It's, it's for iOS only right now. The app downloads through test flights. People should sign up if they're interested. Absolutely. We'll leave a description in the comments below. Now, I've got two questions for you right there. The first one is, you mentioned an unbranded. What did you mean by unbranded alpha card? So because we've like wanted to launch as quick as possible and get cards in the hands of our community, we basically told the issuer that we're working with to like, we'll take any cards that there are like lying around and like ship these out to like alpha users. So that's what I mean with unbranded. Our, our own cards are being manufactured right now. They're like halfway through the manufacturing process, which, which takes quite long. And so when, when those arrive, we're going to have, um, we're going to time it with our beta launch and then it'll be on the app store and, you know, people will get our own cards in their hands and it's going to be super cool. So we're like, we're laying like low until then because we don't want to attract too much attention. You're like one of the, <laughs> the crypto authority podcast is one of the first media outlets I'm speaking to since we've, you know, started to go live. We, we are special. Very Classic. special. So, so it's a little mystery unboxing, essentially, for the users in the alpha stage. Whichever card they get, well, let's say two people are friends and they both get one. One of them got this design on their card, another person got another design. Yeah, so, so the people who are in our alpha right now will be getting their cards replaced with our own ones at some point. But yeah, it's, they should definitely keep the old one anyway. <laughs> My second question was, you made the decision to go on, uh, to release it only on iOS. What was your reasoning behind that? Yeah, good question. I mean, <laughs> so the, there, there are a number of good reasons. Uh, unfortunately, I myself, I'm an Android user. So I'm like, I really, I'm really annoyed that I have to use an iPhone as well. Same here. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's two main reasons. So one is... The iOS space, the, all the iPhones since the iPhone 6 or so have had this um, standardized, like secure enclave environment. 
which is this encrypted hardware in the phone itself, which can store keys, right? And it just increases the security of key storage um, a, lot, a, lot, a lot more so than on Android, where it's like very fragmented. Like some manufacturers include it, like Samsung phones include it, but almost all other manufacturers like cheap out and don't put it in their phone because it's just it adds to the cost. And so that's one reason. The other was the fact that because we're like pioneering a wallet where the user can deploy contracts, we've like changed a lot of things over the last half year, over the last year, really. And if we had both an Android and an iOS version, we'd have to double the work to some degree where, you know, if we're like building V1 and we decide two months later, we actually want to completely redesign this thing, we'll have to, you know, redesign, we'll have to rebuild. Redesign it twice, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so up until the point where we're confident that we, we know what we want, right? We're like, you know, this is, this is what we want it to look like. Up until that point, it's best to just do one development stream and then build it for Android when, when we're happy. Some of your competitors have gone uh, custodial. You guys haven't. How's that being different with the FCA in the UK? Yeah, so we're one of the only crypto companies in the world, and we are the only consumer-facing crypto company in the world that is uh, in, the, in the UK's FCA sandbox. So the Financial Conduct Authority uh, has this uh, regulatory sandbox into which they put the most experimental, exciting um, new companies and and we're, we're in that and the reason we're in that is because the fca is really excited about the fact that we don't hold the users funds right so every other company in the space that you know such as coinbase for example um you have to give them your crypto and this is this is not great right because what if they get hacks you know we just saw binance get hacks and you know, the, the founder of the, you know, Quadrigoda exchange in, in Canada, um, you know, supposedly died and took all, all the deposits with him to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, the, the whole premise of cryptocurrency to us is revolves around the idea that you can own it yourself. And so, you know, if we're going to build a service, we have to make sure that that integrity remains. And so our wallets allows the user to, to hold their own funds. And, and the FCA really likes that if we were to disappear off the face of the earth, the user would still have their funds. And they literally like it, you know, it, every time they come to our office, they're, uh, they just get really excited about hearing how ultimately um, this, this really improves like consumer protection, which is one of the main things the FCA cares about. And yeah, because, because you know, this is an, which is great because end of the day, it is a software wallet essentially that stores people's crypto in the most secure way possible, reducing the risk of attack. If for someone to get access, they would have to have actual physical uh, access to the device itself and enter into the device, have all the passwords, etc. Yeah, I mean, the you know what makes it worse, what like the regulatory like nightmare right now is that because the crypto space is is unregulated. There is nothing stopping your, your favorite exchange from saying that they have a million Bitcoin in like customer deposits, but actually owning, only having like 100,000 of it. You know, you don't, you literally don't know. Your account says you might have like 50 Bitcoin on there, but the reality could be that only like three of those Bitcoin are still in that exchange. And there's, there's nothing, no regulation preventing 
their founders from going to jail for this reason. And that's, uh, that's very worrying. And, and our experience cannot lie to you, right? It's all in your own control. It's all on the Ethereum network, fully auditable, fully public. And we think that's a scalable future. Absolutely. And you guys have decided to go with Visa instead of MasterCard. Was there a reason for that? Yeah. So, so I think Visa has been more interested in like true innovation. So I, th I think their risk appetite is a bit higher and we've had a really good relationship with Visa. We've, we've basically demonstrated to their team here in the UK that we can do AML and KYC on the blockchain and make make them feel comfortable that you know we're not like money laundering for people and all this stuff which which is like their big worry right um and so a, a team from mastercard will be coming by our office at some point as well later well i think sometime in the summer that's scheduled because they started to realize they definitely don't want to miss out on this thing you know the for a lot of like finance companies they're realizing finally that th this is actually going to change their industry fundamentally and they and they don't want to be left behind. So are you going to be offering cards from both? I mean, yeah, we're, we're definitely very keen and happy to, to work with MasterCard as well. And it, it, it is quite likely, you know, definitely within a year, we'll, we'll see crypto programs on MasterCard too. And, you know, with a bit of luck, we'll be one of the ones pioneering that. You guys have a great product, so I hope it works out. In terms of Visa, they charge a fee to the user on a monthly basis, don't they? Yes, it's a, it's a bit more complicated. I think Visa's main fee is um, on, an, on like the exchange rate. So if your card is like based in pounds and you're spending your card in Europe and you know, you're getting charged in euros, then Visa will take a 1%. That's like you know, most of the money that Visa makes comes from that. All other fees are negligible or depend on your issuer, right? So you're not, you know, Visa isn't the only one you have a relationship with. You've got a relationship with a processor. You've got a relationship with, a, with an issuer, maybe a program manager as well. And yeah. Because uh, for example, one of your competitors, Wirex, they charge a monthly fee of one pound. Are you charging something similar to the users that are gonna be using the token card or is that something you guys are well, absorbing yourself? I mean, we're, we're gonna get really creative um, with pricing, we definitely want to have the best possible array of options available to the user, which I, I'm gonna hint a bit and say that some of these things will be Ethereum powered. No one in the world <laughs> will have done anything quite like this, but I, I, I wanna leave that to like a, a big reveal sometime later. But- um, Fair enough. Yeah, a, as it stands, we, um, we haven't finalized uh, pricing completely. We won't be doing the same as Wirex, however. Okay, but at the moment for alpha users, is there a fee or is there no fee the, at the moment? For alpha users, there is no fee to sign up. There is the only fee that's being taken is um, we're reserving 1% um, of every top up for the asset contracts, which goes into our token, into TKN. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that? How, why are you doing that? Yeah, so, so we thought that if we're actually going to try and take over the world, right? <laughs> we have to build a bank that is participatory, that, you know, it's something, you know, that isn't just going to benefit us, a small group of people. It's something that everyone can be a part of, right? 
You know, that's essentially what Ethereum and Bitcoin are. They're these networks, these, these, you know, this payments network and this, you know, this decentralized application network where anyone in the world can be part of it if they believe in its success, right? And that's, and that's fantastic. I think that's how we should build our future. And I think that applications that build on top of these networks should adopt a similar approach that if we were to build the biggest bank in the world, and we want it to be one where everyone in the world, wherever they are, whether they're here in Europe or in Africa or somewhere in Asia, um, that they can be part of that. And that if you're using our experience, you can get a token which directly um, takes value from the, the value that we're creating as a, as a project. So what's happening to that 1% fee that you're taking? Is it storage for the user? How yeah, does it so, work? So exactly? every time someone tops up their card, every, every time someone uses their card, 1% of the value being used, uh, one additional percent is taken as, a, as essentially a licensing fee. So let's say the user's topping up with 100 grams of Digix gold, then like one additional gram is being sent to the smart contracts called the asset contract, which holds all of these, these fees, right? It accrues all the fees that users are like, you know, spending. And token holders, TKN holders, are able to burn their TKN and redeem their pro rata share of these fees. So let's say you have 5% of all TKN, you could burn that 5% and you will immediately get 5% of all the assets that are inside this asset contract. These assets will be representative of what is actually being used in the Ethereum economy. So if a lot of people are like spending gold, then gold will be a larger proportion of the assets held inside this, this pool. And so TKN itself, in a way, starts to like represent the Ethereum economy itself, right? <laughs> Which I think is really cool. Nice. Really interesting and very different approach compared to other competing hard software wallets like Wirex I and Tenex. We are definitely quite different. Yes, you are. Uh, in all, and that's why you're the first one we've actually reached out to and wanted to speak with because you are doing something different. There's many other software wallets out there that, yeah, they have a card, but it's really not that special. Like I can basically, if I really wanted to, take my Bitcoin, sell it, turn it into fiat, transfer that fiat into my debit card and actually spend it. Sure, Wirex and some others make it a bit simpler. It's a bit faster, but with all the fees they're charging and there is no long-term plan. What they are now is what they're going to be in a year's time, three years time, five years time. But you guys have that vision of where you want to be on the Ethereum platform, what you want to achieve and you're going for it. And that's why we wanted to speak with you and we really exactly. admire that. Well, look, I'm, uh, I'm very happy to hear you, uh, you see where, where we're trying to go. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a while before we get there. But, you know, hopefully the world, you know, that w this industry really fundamentally reshapes how society works, right? That we will look back, you know, like 10, 20, 30 years from today and look, look at today and think that we were there when this, this technology emerged that completely reshapes how our societies work, right? We're, we're going towards this singularity and this change that we're implementing today with Ethereum really is a foundational step towards creating a utopian futuristic society. There's like no other way. Yeah, and we're glad to be following you on this journey. Now, shall we get into a quick fire yeah, Q&A? Yeah, go ahead, of course. You gotta give me quick answers. They're not all crypto related, so this should be fun. 
So first question, who is your most inspirational figure outside the crypto space? So outside of the crypto space, I mean, you can't say Donald <laughs> Trump, by the way, it's, that's not an option okay. off the table. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely say Elon Musk and I, and I look, I, I just want to say that I was one of the first people I feel like I was one of the first people to be a big fan of Elon Musk, because it's the reason I ended up studying like aerospace engineering university. I was literally yeah. about to say that, like you guys have something in common. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're like a mini, you're like a mini Elon. A lot more handsome though. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're in the blockchain space trying, although some people keep saying, oh, Elon Musk is the guy that invented Bitcoin. <laughs> I personally no, don't, I don't it, think so either. What's your favorite sports car? If you could buy any sports car in the world, which well, one would be? Um, I'm definitely, I love the, the 90s look and vibe. So I probably get like the, um, the car they feature in like Outrun, that video game from the 90s. Um, uh, it's the Ferrari Testarossa. Wasn't that one of the first ones that was a track car? I might be talking shit right now, but a track car that went into production on a, as a street I car? mean, um, yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not that big into cars, so I wouldn't actually know. I, I just think it's like the sexiest thing ever. It, it's pure sex. So <laughs> <laughs> to all our listeners right there, we apologize for not knowing our car yeah. info. <laughs> um, <laughs> favorite cryptocurrency project? And it cannot be any of the top five. So it can't be Ethereum, it can't be Bitcoin, any any of the other ones. Something like really out there that you think is going to be big in the next five, ten years. Uh, something that's going to be big. I mean, yeah, I do really love um, what Digix is doing in Singapore. Um, they're tokenizing gold. So, so, you know, as it stands, there's roughly two types of um, projects out there. Um, where where there are, there are projects that are building completely decentralized applications on the Ethereum network, such as Maker, and then there's projects. Well, there's there's the type of projects that are like tokenizing real world assets, and I think tokenizing real world assets is an incredibly um, important and special thing that we should get right. And Digix were the pioneers in that tokenizing physical gold that they would hold in their vaults. And putting, you know, for every gram that they have in their vault, they would put one token on the Ethereum network. And I think if we can like master that process of putting assets on the blockchain and like it being fully trustable and auditable and reliable, then I think, you know, we have a very exciting future around the corner. So I would say Digix. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really going to, you keep mentioning Digix. I, Digix. I'm going to really check it out. Maybe reach out and yeah, have definitely a podcast do. with them. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, if you want us to do that, let us know when you listen to this podcast and we'll make it happen. Next question. If there's one thing in this world that you cannot live without, what would it be? And it can't be anything crypto. Um, one thing. I mean, <laughs> I guess. I, for me, it's peanut butter, for example. I can't I live know, without peanut butter. I would say like love. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> So my, my follow-up question, are you in love, Mel? Are you in a well, relationship? I mean, I've had such a, a rough, a rough ride these uh, last two years. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. There's, uh, there's a lot of nice people in the world. So I've been uh, dating, I suppose. <laughs> so he's single, ladies and <laughs> well, gentlemen. 
Perhaps. So. We'll leave his contact details in the comments below. You can contact him day and night, especially in the evenings around 3 a.m. That's when he <laughs> yeah. likes to talk. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And uh, one last question. I'm really putting you on the spot here. From your team over at Token Card, because I've met quite a few, which one would you say is the most valuable person there? The one that you can't live without or that you got to see every day and they make your day, the, the one that's going to hold your hand when you're having a rough day, who is it? Um, <clears throat> this is a, quite a good question. I, I guess I would say, I would say Anthony, Anthony Smee, our um, senior products. Yeah, he's incredibly capable and he's like right now the one solving all the problems we're having with like our alpha and like making sure everything works like all the address checks because he's like sorting out all the apis and stuff and he um yeah he's putting in like crazy efforts so um i love you anthony <laughs> nice <laughs> so wirex 10x if you want to cripple a token card that's the guy you need to go yeah. and uh, hire you, you need to steal him away he, he won't <laughs> all leave. right thank Thanks, Mel. <laughs> Thanks, Mel, for uh, coming onto the show and taking yeah, the time to speak so with us. Is there anything else you want to tell our audience? Maybe where to find you on. So um, I think the best place right now to follow us would be on Twitter. So at tokencard underscore IO and, um, and myself, of course, uh, at Mel, Mel Gelderman. So uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of crazy stuff coming from me as well. <laughs> Any meetups in London yeah, coming I'll up soon? Yeah, I'll be speaking at the ETHFINEX meetup um, later this month. And um, we're, we're, we're going to have another um, talk at ETH London where we're going to announce some cool stuff. So, And any sneak peeks we can hear about? Well, I would say... <laughs> so I think Ethereum <clears throat> as a technology is transcendental to, you know, to humanity and we're going to present Ethereum and everything it can do to the world in a way that will really excite people and we're gonna show that and talk about that at Eat London and we should definitely come. Very cryptic, guys. Very yeah, cryptic. Very cryptic. He, he's, he's literally telling us what Token Card is doing, being very cryptic about it. Okay. All right. Thanks for coming on to the show. 